This week, on the Marathon of History podcast. Marathon of History owner, Matt Johnson, talks to Erica Ozen from William Britons, the world's oldest toy soldier company. Erica gives us a glimpse into the fascinating world of model figure collecting and talks about W. Britain's rich history. Hey everybody, Matt Johnson here from the Marathon of History podcast and today I'm joining you from a little different location. I'm actually in my outdoor office so uh, you might even hear some outdoor sounds behind me such as these birds in this tree over here. I think they're grackles. Um, there's a mom feeding a baby so could be a little bit loud anyways on today's episode we have Erica from William Britton's Toy Soldiers and this is actually an interview I did back in the winter time for a presentation I put on at Grey Roots Museum uh, miniature history and miniature history we really just explored the history of miniatures so uh, yeah, anybody familiar with William Britton's, they are pretty much the name in collector's uh, figures. And I was uh, really enjoyed this interview with Erica, and she sort of talks about the history of William Britton's, as well as, uh, you know, sort of things like how do they come up with what they're going to have out next for, for figures they're going to release, um, you know, things like that, uh, the history of the company and, uh, sort of where collecting is now. So, and that's really what I thought was interesting was uh, her take on, um, how collecting has changed. So anyways, I'm going to, uh, stop talking now and these birds behind me are probably going to keep talking. And here is Erica from William Britton's Toy Soldiers. So Erica, tell me a little bit, uh, about the history of William Britton's. We're the granddaddy of them all, been around, this is our 130th year in business, started out in 1893 in London, England. What really got it going was that William Britton perfected hollow casting. So okay. people have been making lead soldiers for a long time, but what he did is, you know, you'd have a metal mold, you pour the lead in it, and then you had to wait for the lead to cool, and then you could open it and, and have the lead figure and scrape off the, you know, the the ledges and details. And anyways, um, what he did is he perfected pouring the molten lead in the mold and then waiting a little bit and pouring out the uh, unhardened lead. So that way the figure was a little lighter. Um, so it took less ma less materials to make. So it was cheaper to make and it was quicker to make because you didn't have to wait for the whole solid right. to, to harden so he was able to get a jump on a lot of other companies by making it quicker and cheaper. So much so that when in the early 20th century, the Germans decided they wanted to do um, trains, you know, miniature trains, they looked around and said, hey, who has people that can fit in the trains? And they looked in the company that was making the most figures out there was Britain's. And so the train, the model train industry started off based on W. Britton 130th figures. What was the first things he liked to do? Was it British subjects? Uh... Oh, and back in 1893, purely British subjects to begin with. Um, right. You know, think of all the the guards, you know, um, red coats, red coats marching, red coats on horses. I think I, I, think I have a little one right here, Britain's. Yes, uh... <laughs> yes, yeah, that sort of, that sort of look. Um, and we right. still sell something like that to this day. Um, and they are still very popular because when you go to England, you know, you got a coronation coming up soon. 
So, you know, you'll see, you know, all you saw at the funeral, quite frankly, the, the right. finery and all of that. Right. Um, and, and actually the RCMP leading the way at that, which we're coming out with RCMP figures this year too. The one fiftieth of the RCMP. Um, so let's see. That's what they started with. And then once you started getting into, you know, World War One, World War Two, they, you know, there's enemies and there's, it was military figures. And, but Britons also did civilian figures and garden figures and circus figures and all these other things that, you know, they were a big company. And then um, post World War Two, getting into Vietnam, when military toys became less popular, that really started to put what everyone assumed was the nail in the coffin of military. Right. It changed it um, without a doubt. They switched from metal figures to plastic figures for kids to play with. Big change happened again in the late 1980s when everyone started doing matte figures instead of the gloss figures. And now most of our sales are in these very detailed, very exacting, you know, one thirtieth scale matte figures. And they're not so much toys because, you know, they're too expensive for kids to play with. And and they're not, you know, they're, they're not meant for children to play with. They are collectibles. They are something that if you are a historian that likes to read books and you've got, you know, you just read, you know, Chernoff's book on uh, Grant, then you put that on the shelf and then put the figure of Grant right in front. You know, you can, you can do that sort of thing. Or if you're a person who likes to genealogy and you found out that, you know, oh, my ancestor was in the Iron Brigade and you buy an Iron Brigade figure and you put that on the shelf. Or you've got people that love dioramas and, you know, you take the old ping pong table that no one's played ping pong on for 20 years. And you cover it, and suddenly it is Gettysburg, and you've got, you know, Little Round Top and Devil's Den, Picket coming across the field, and there you are. So how how do you uh, how do you go about picking what you're going to make? Like, is there is there every year you sit down and have a meeting, we're going to make this or this, or how's that decided? Boy, it's a good question. There's always discussions, always right. lots and lots of discussions about what to um what to make, you know, what's selling, what's not selling, you know, what's coming up, what should we do? All of those things are um, there. But ultimately, usually it's because we've got a range of figures, you know, we've got American Civil War. And, you know, we're looking at it, we've got, you know, this guy kneeling, firing, this guy running, firing, this guy, and we've got all these basic figures. And it's like, okay, we've got the infantry now we need corporals and sergeants to go with it um you know or if we're doing you know a, a troop of guys marching you know okay so they're all in this formation and you know so in order for them to do that we need to have you know this this and this and and you know there needs to be a sergeant there needs to be the king's color you know there needs to be the regimental okay. color there needs to be you know, the officer, is the officer mounted? Is he on foot? Is he, you know, have all these things. And oftentimes it, if it's a more formalized thing, it's a matter of looking at the um, manuals from the time, you know. So we have a plethora of field manuals. So we can look at, you know, the 18th century Prussian drill and then see how that changes in the American Revolution, you know, and then how that changes as we go into, let's say, fall, the Battle of Fallen Timbers, 
and and how all the uniforms change. So, right. but usually it's it's trying to be able to tell a complete story is what compels us to uh, drives our decisions on what okay. we're doing. We do a whole range of other things like the museum series that we do that is um, personality driven. So there, it's trying to tell a broader story about people in history in general. We've got uh, Frederick Douglass. Well, Frederick Douglass, great man, you know, great social reformer. Um, his son was the sergeant for the 54th Massachusetts. And so we've got his son, because that's another story that's interesting to tell. Um, if you're going to do the 54th, you probably should have the 54th flag. So we've got the 54th right. flag um, held by Carney. Um, and then if you're going to tell the 54th, you can't really do that without Shaw, Colonel Shaw. So, you know, you suddenly have Shaw. And then you start looking at it and you think, well, what else is going on at this time period? Well, you know, Harriet Tubman, um, Harriet Beecher Stowe, you know, these all tell a story about abolition and okay. freedom and civil rights you know so you start branching out that way a good idea is a good idea you know we were going to do and we were working on the rcmp um before we realized it was their 150th this year you know we had no idea until we I see, right. started talking with but we thought you know we need to do the rcmp that you know we have to do that um because that is an iconic thing and you know we wanted to reach out to our Canadian collectors, you know, you're going to see some more Canadian themed things as we move forward this year. Right. You'll see some more um, World War II Canadian themed. Excellent. You know, well, so we're, you know, well, hey, I grew up there, you know, <laughs> my family's there. <laughs> well, age, we appreciate it. I hear about it. So, um, okay, so like, and, and you mentioned um, collecting's not going away. Collecting's no, getting, no, getting bigger. It's changing. It's not okay. what it used to be. You know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, there was a lot of, well, 40 years ago, lots of gloss, lots of bands, you know, oh, okay. lots of, yep. you know, regimental sort of displays where, you know, you've got the, you know, 100 figures in, in uniform and like a friend of mine collects bands and, and he has like the Essex and Kent Scottish out of Chatham, which is the regiment my father was in. And he's got the Essex and Kent Scottish band and the regiment lined up. You know, and it's probably a hundred figures and it's very cool. Yeah. But that isn't necessarily, and it's gloss and it's not necessarily where the modern collector is. So the guys that collect that have a harder time finding what they're looking for because people aren't making that because it's hard to sell something, to make something that you can sell to six guys right. that are still right. really into it. Yeah. Um. So we, we don't tend to do as much of, you know, the big regimental things anymore. On the other hand, we are doing lots of, you know, of like, aviators and lots of lots of individual figures and, yeah. and character figures. Um, we're doing lots of Civil War, tons of Civil War, uh, you know, uh, Clash of Empires, which the American Revolution, French and Indian War. You know, we kind of combine those two together because the Native American or Aboriginal peoples, um, their their material culture doesn't change much between the French and Indian war and the American revolution. Okay. So you can use the, the, that native contingent for both, both scenarios. We dropped the American revolution because even though that, you know, that regiment served here and served in England and served around the world and other, if you call it the American revolution, um, people in England don't buy it. 
Um, okay. so, so if you change it to Clash of Empires, suddenly it's it's not, you know, something we've lost, but it's something that, you know, so, um, so yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting how the name itself, yeah. Well, it, it, it makes a difference, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, uh, so Britain's been around, obviously, a long, long time. Is there a couple examples? Is there some figures out there that are very super rare or super collectible or or is there museum pieces that there's only a couple left of Britain's? Um, there are some super rare pieces out there. Um, back with Britain's 100th anniversary in 1993, Britain's released um, a, I think it was a William Britton figure. I, I, I can't remember exactly what the figure was, but I think it was a, a figure of William Britton. And um, there was a, a dinner where 100 people attended and they each got one that was inscribed with their name on it. So that's a very limited thing. Right. Especially since it's specific for a person. So that's a pretty rare thing to have in your collection. There's another set um, actually that Ken sculpted um, that they made a hundred of. Maybe not even quite, maybe it was 80 something. Anyways, it was a, a guardsman standing um, at 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 rest and it, it's a beautiful figure you know gloss figure and um there there were only you know it was the club uh the collector's club figure and it was there's only x amount made for this show and there are the last time i saw one on ebay it sold for over a thousand dollars wow yeah so because it's so rare so rare yeah wow yeah yeah so all right, everybody. Well, there you have it. That was Erica from W. Britain's Toy Soldiers. Um, something I found out during the interview is uh, W. Britain's is okay, William Britain's is okay, and Britain's is okay. It's kind of been known by uh, all those names for history. So, so there you have it. That's uh, pretty cool stuff. And uh, you know, you can check out the W. Britain's website, or uh, I believe you can check them out on Facebook and uh, Instagram if you want to see sort of uh, what's upcoming. And as she mentioned there, they do have a set of uh, Northwest Mounted Police, or I guess uh, RCMP figures coming out uh, this year. So if you're uh, you know into Canadian memorabilia or uh, Canadian history or uh, the history of the RCMP, that might be something uh, that definitely interests you. So. Yeah, so that's uh, that's it for this podcast. And, you know, as uh, I say, as always, I appreciate every single one of you uh, who take the time to listen because there are a lot of history podcasts and uh, we are definitely one of them. So, yes, I appreciate every single listener and uh, stay tuned. Uh, we have some really interesting guests coming up in the next couple of weeks here. So um, I'm not going to announce them yet until I'm uh, done the interviews and have it all ready to go but uh if you're into history uh into military history uh cultural history sports history uh we have somebody sort of covering all those things so all right well thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll talk to you soon